Good, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome as we come to worship um, today. Uh, and uh, as the scriptures tell us, um, sorrow may tarry through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, we've had a lovely few days of sun and brightness, um, and the rain comes this morning to refresh uh, and to renew, uh, like the dew that the Lord gives to each one of us today, whenever we come to Him. So we come um, today, whether we're joined in person um, or online, we come to worship the God who is alive and who is well, and to gather around His table um, today, uh, to celebrate His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension, the fact that He is alive and well with us. And so we join together uh, as we pray, as we open the service. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that you showed your love amongst us, that you sent your one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. We thank you that Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross so we might die to our own sins and live for his righteousness. And today that we might find healing in his wounds and through his death. So as we gather together, giving you our space, giving you our time, giving you our thoughts, and giving you our attention, we pray that by your Spirit you would inspire, renew, and refresh us today. In your precious name, amen. This morning's reading is Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 to 33 is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. If you have your Bibles with you, um, you're welcome to join me with me as I flick a little bit for a second. Uh, and we're going to have a recap of where we have been in the book of Matthew before we engage in chapter 10. So whenever we come to our Bibles, we see there are sometimes after it was written in, in modern times, We've added in our little subheadings, and I'm just going to go through a few of those so we know where we are before we reach uh, the story that we hear this morning. So in chapter 8, we hear Jesus heals a man with leprosy. He heals many. He calms the storm. He restores two demon-possessed men. He forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Uh, there's the calling of Matthew. He's questioned about things. He then raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. He heals the blind and the mute. And then at the end of chapter 9, there's a little subsection called the workers are few. Straight after this, Jesus then sends out the 12 disciples. He sends them out at the beginning of chapter 10 and says, right, 
here's everything I've done. Here's how you do it. Here is the example of, of how we go and how we heal, how we look after, how we support, how we meet needs. There's not enough of us to do this. So I'm sending the 12 of you out to go and do it. It's the perfect example of, of leadership in action. It is not only words. It is how we do things. It is a, a worked example. And then they have to go off and complete this by themselves. Straight after this, just as they are commissioned and sent out, Jesus settles in with, by the way, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because that's an overwhelming responsibility for these 12 disciples. For these 12 disciples, they had witnessed someone who was the son of man, the son of God, come to earth and had, had all these wonderful miracles. And then they're suddenly being told, now it's your turn to go and do this. Now it's your responsibility to go out and to heal and to rescue and to support. So he says, do not be afraid. A wonderful instruction that we're going to explore more. But before we go, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you send us out. You send us out to many to bring your word. Help us not to be afraid. In your name, Father. Amen. This weekend, uh, some of our teenagers are going to Summer Madness. Um, if you look out the window, how many of you would like to be sleeping in a tent right now? Um, not me. I won't be also, just to give that uh, statement. Uh, but for them going away, there's, there's a lot of organization to take for this point. My first ever, uh, I, went, I've, I went to Summer Madness every year from I was 12 or, or 13. Um, every year it was part of my calendar. My family's holidays had to wait until Summer Madness was finished. Uh, it was an important part of our annual ritual. And then whenever I turned 18, whenever I left school, I got a job as a youth worker in Drumglass Parish in Dungannon. And I organized a group going to Summer Madness. And in my first year we went to Summer Madness, I took a group of 34 teenagers to Summer Madness. It was quite a, it was quite a large amount of teenagers. My filing system was, 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 was as follows. A young person would give me a form and their money, and I would bring it in the front door of my rented student accommodation, open the top drawer of a chest of drawers at my front door, and put all items in the drawer and close the drawer. And that filing system continued for several months uh, until we reached going to Summer Madness, in which case I went, oh, where's all the forms? I took the drawer out, put it in my suitcase, and brought it with me. That was the filing system. It wasn't a good filing system. Uh, I also realized that there were several hundreds of pounds in that drawer, uh, which, which should have been better looked after by me. This is not how it's been done this year, by the way, just to clarify. So we arrive at Summer Madness, uh, great time, all works okay. I, I sit down, I file all the paperwork, I get all the money, I sort it, I go and pay the bills that we have to pay to the Summer Madness team. Um, all the money is accounted for, it's great. And then on the Monday night, one of the teenagers fell sick. And she, she fell very sick to the extent she had to go to hospital. Uh, with, with a, a condition that this was her, the first time she had shown symptoms of it. I had 34 teenagers and I had 33 forms. Whose form did I not have? <laughs> Tell you, in that moment, I was looking to find the responsible adult in the room. 
and I realized I was that responsible adult and I had made a mistake that I was never going to make ever again and never did make ever again. But there's times sometimes when the responsibility lands on us as individuals and we panic and we make mistakes. That we're given opportunities to to do the right thing, to glorify God, and we make a mistake which can end up staying with us. And nobody else knew that I lost that form. There was one other leader and they went, uh, that, that was there that knew about it, and she went, oh, I know such and such, I've got her dad's mobile number, and we rang him, and that was it. But for me, in that moment, I knew I had made a mistake, and sometimes we're given responsibility, and we don't make the most of it. We also did an event called, uh, a few years later, uh, we used to go to an event called Street Reach. We went out and did outreach in the community, uh, you went and worked, and... Uh, practically led mission in your home village. Uh, we were doing this in a, the village of Crumlin, just down the road where I grew up, and we were in a woodland area called the Glen, and I was in charge. I had a group of young people out working, and they were cleaning and picking up litter, and then they found a serrated knife that was about 10 inches long, um, and, a, and some bones. And they went, what do we do? And I looked for the responsible adult. And again, I was the responsible adult and didn't know what to do. At 22, going, uh, do we ring the police? Do I put it in the bin? What happens? And the fear in my body at that time, not knowing what to do, was a great fear that I will never forget. Because I was in a position of leadership, not knowing what to do. Yet we look at Christ in this story giving the prime example of what leadership is. Leadership in teaching people with words, teaching people with actions. We can read Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9. We can see him being challenged in many different ways, being challenged about issues such as um, questioned about fasting or when he should heal people. And he's questioned and he responds in such a way that is the perfect example of leadership. And then he sends out the disciples. He sends them out to go into communities, to go and to serve in a way that continues to bring faith to other people. In the passage, we begin with verse 24 and 25, where he quotes uh, some old Jewish sayings. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above the master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has called Belzebul, how much more the members of his household? Because when we gather together as believers of Christ, under this perfect leadership, we are members of his family. And in this passage, he instructs us that if we are members of his family, we face the struggles that he faces. It was the responsibility and duty of a servant to undergo all that his master underwent. That it wasn't a hierarchy of if the, if the master is struggling, the servants will be fine. No, if the master was struggling financially and couldn't afford to feed his family, it was all of the servants that struggled also. If the master had debt to pay, it was the servants that all had debt to pay for they were one in their communion together. We too are one under Christ, knowing 
that whenever we face struggles, whenever we face hardships, that is a recognition that we are under his family banner, that we are one with him under his name, under his banner. If we face persecution, if we face people questioning us, if we face people asking us tough questions about our faith or about our beliefs, that that is not something we shy away from or should be embarrassed about, but rather that is a sign and recognition that we are under his banner and under his name. And he knew how to answer and we are one with his family and can ask him in how we answer and how we respond. Struggle is a sign of membership of his communion. Struggle is a sign of being part of his leadership and his family. And sometimes struggle means sacrificing things. Sometimes struggle means things are hard. There is a, an organization called 24-7 Prayer. And the leader of 24-7 Prayer is a gentleman called Pete Gregg. Pete Gregg's, one of his first books was called Red Moon Rising. Fantastic book. If you have the opportunity to read it, it talks about his journey and his trust into Christ as how he followed him. And one of the things that really started off his journey into starting this, this uh, organization of prayer, which, which one of their, their mission statements is to always have a prayer room of people praying continually. Well, Pete Gregg was in a room one night, in a prayer room late at night. And he had this, uh, this word from God and he, he wrote it up on the wall. There was a big a wall of prayer, and he wrote this massive long prayer out on the wall about his idea and his vision of what a future meant for being a believer and follower of Christ. And then a couple of weeks later, before WhatsApp or Facebook or social media, we had email chains. Was anyone ever in an email chain where people forwarded things around in email chains? Well, there was an email chain forwarded of, look at this statement that someone sent to him. And it was a photograph of his words on that wall that had appeared back to him in his inbox after he had wrote them so many weeks ago. And there's lots of inspiring statements in that passage, but one of them that always stuck with me as a teenager was that he wanted to see a body of believers willing to sacrifice their popularity in the same way that they were willing to sacrifice their lives. Because for some of us, sometimes, if someone walked into the room now and said, are you a believer or you'll die? I think I would be confident in saying, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I follow our Christ. But to sacrifice public opinion and what people think of me is a lot tougher. Public embarrassment and ridicule and being shamed for what I believe is a much harder thing to make sometimes. It's a much harder statement to engage with. Yet Christ calls us to be willing to sacrifice everything that people think of us for the sake of believing in him. So let's read verse 26 and onward here. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roof. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body. Because our call is not to be afraid and to be ashamed of what we say, but rather our call is to publicly proclaim our faith. 
whether that means ridicule or hard times, if that's what we are afraid of, we should turn away from that and instead follow Christ. For disloyalty is great in the kingdom of heaven. Christ calls us to loyalty. And when we have disloyalty, we turn away from Christ. Sometimes our comfort, our security, and our ease are the enemy's greatest weapons against us. Sometimes being comfortable and not speaking out is the thing that the enemy uses most to disrupt the kingdom of heaven. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. A sparrow cost a penny. In fact, a sparrow didn't cost a penny. It was very difficult to buy one sparrow. If you went to buy a sparrow, you were sold two because they were just worth so little. If you had a penny, you had to buy two sparrows. If you went to buy four sparrows, that was two pennies, but they threw in a fifth for free because actually sparrows were available. They were readily available at all the time and they were worth very little. Two sparrows were sold for a penny as one of the cheapest things that you could go to the temple courts and buy. Yet in this statement, Christ says that even these insignificance, even 50p equivalent sparrows were worth so much to him that if one of them fell, he would notice it. Yet we are worth so much more than that. We sometimes forget our value and our worth. I considered for my children's talk this morning the old story of uh, taking a five pound note and scrumpling it up and jumping on it and rubbing it on the bottom of your shoe or whatever you might do with it and asking people if they still want it. Because a five pound note, no matter how scrumpled and torn, is still worth five pounds and it still has value and worth that people desire. And yet that is how Christ looks at us. He looks at us whether we feel crumpled and torn and not worthy as having a significant value, a significant value that we can do work for his kingdom, that we can go out and bring value to his name. I look back at my old stories of, of leadership as how I developed in my, in my role, and I think of mistakes I made, whether people knew of them or not, and I think of how they developed me and developed my character in new ways, that Christ is always teaching us in how we grow, that our fear can drive us when we realize that we have nothing to be afraid of. In this moment where we found a, a nine-inch serrated blade, the story goes on that a few weeks later, by chance, I found the owner of that blade. I told him that I was the one that had removed it. We discussed what he did with it, why it was there, <coughs> the purpose, and actually it became an opportunity to share my faith with him in that moment. I've not seen that young man in many years. I call him a young man. There was two years difference between us, but let's say young man. And I still think about him often. I know him by name, and I know vaguely where he's working uh, to this day. And whenever I, he works in the international airport. And when I go through the international airport, I still wonder and look out to see if I'll spot him, to see if I'll see him, to see if he'll be a person there 
that I can communicate and continue that conversation because I know he remembers me and I know that I remember him because that's the last thing I want to think about today, folks, that sometimes the fear that we are given, the fear that we feel is a sign of something great, that when we have a fear and we don't want to open up, that we don't want to open our mouths or use our words or use our actions, that there's a reason that we probably have fear in that time, that fear is the enemy trying to stop the kingdom of heaven coming. So when we feel fear, instead ask the question, not what do I have to be afraid of, but what is it that I'm being held back from? What is it that my fear is holding me back from? What is it that fear is doing to resist and prevent the kingdom growing here on earth? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you see us. You see us with value. You see us with worth and you see our potential. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us opportunities to grow your kingdom here on earth. Father, may we never be afraid. May we look at your example and your leadership and know that how, how to do things has been set before us, that the words we need are there when we need them, that when we are silent, sometimes we instead need to be loud. Father, we ask in your name, that you free us from fear, that you break the chains that hold us back and you offer us opportunities to serve your kingdom, your name, and to send us out. Heavenly Father, in your great and powerful name we pray. Amen. As we conclude today, we hear uh, it's one of those verses uh, from our scriptures today. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. I'll be afraid of the one who can kill and destroy the soul and the body. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet no one of them will fall to the ground, apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. May our worth ring true in our ears today as a blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>